and welcome to The Fro and the Flow, presented by Burbs Entertainment. I'm your host, Ralph Compiano, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jack Martin, a.k.a. The Martian. And today we are joined yeah. by our resident PTA specialist, Carter Ferriman of 303 Magazine and Burbs Entertainment. And today we're talking about Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza, Woo! baby. The best Licky movie pizza. of 2021. Pizza, the best movie of 2021 by a wide fucking margin. Maybe my favorite movie of the decade already. And we're just going to go through it plot point by plot point like how we did with Spider-Man. That's how we're going to do every movie review from here on out. But first, we're going to start out with how we felt about the movie. Just general feelings. Jack, we'll start with you. You got to see it first. You got to see it um, not on Thanksgiving Day when it was released in NY and L.A., but because you live in Chicago and you're fucking special or some shit, you got to see it before Carter and I. So uh, what did you think of the movie, just overall tone? It was a blast. It made me feel happy. Um, getting to see it on this special release date where the tickets sold out in like an hour and a half and you go in, it's this old theater, it's a music box theater in Chicago. It's like 600 people, old dude in a red tuxedo, just banging down the fucking organ before you go see the movie. Um, the crowd, it was probably one of the best crowds I've been in. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home was a, was probably my favorite theater experience of the year. Um, but my licorice pizza crowd, I think was my favorite crowd. Um, it was just fun. It was a feel good movie. Um, I don't know. It was the best movie of the year. It's PTA. He did it again. Um, and Cooper Hoffman and Alana Hyam are stars. I mean, they fucking crushed it. I hope they both get nominations. Big, bright, shining, burning stars. Um, all right. So I just saw this on Christmas Eve. The, the chemistry was ridiculous. This was pro- probably the most charismatic and charming movie I've ever seen. Yeah. It's right up there with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, we talked about it a little bit before, but um, PTA is in the same zone as Quentin right now, Tarantino, where um, they were so angsty and they just felt so eager, like they wanted to get their message across. like They just so desperately wanted to make Pulp Fiction and Boogie Nights that they just had to ejaculate it all over the screen. And now they're just kind of sitting in this comfortable aura where they're just meditative and they're happy with where they're at personally and as movie makers so that's been beautiful to see um yeah this is a five-star movie it's easily my favorite movie of the year um the in-theater experience i went with my dad and i went with my girlfriend and typically i would never go see with a movie with those two people together but because it was licorice pizza i looked at both of them maybe two or three times throughout the movie and i was like oh my god they're having as much fun at this movie as i am and i know they don't love paul as much as i do so i think that's just the kind of movie that this is you can show it to anybody and anybody will love it i think those are the most special kinds of movies i think there are very few of them you can show this to a 15 year old or to a 60 year old and they're both going to have similar enough reactions it's of, like the blind oh, this side this is about <laughs> no it's not like the blind side at all <laughs> it's like it's like that's how i feel about like you know uh I don't know, like Ocean's Eleven or uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Maybe not The Godfather. I don't think it even falls under that region. But you know what I mean. Just like Toy pure Story comfort, 2. pure happiness. Toy Story 2, sure. Carter, what about you? What are your general thoughts on Licorice Pizza? So I was the last person to see it out of all three of us. I saw it on the 26th, the earliest possible showing. I was in the theater eating popcorn at 9 a.m. <laughs> and I was there Fuck with my... Yes. That's my kind of guy. Yeah. And I was there with my younger brother, um... I mean, it was incredible. You know, I'm going to say it for a third time. You guys said it and I'll say it. It's the best movie of the year. I don't think it's close. Uh, Last Duel is second for me. Um, But I smiled the entire time. Just so happy. And I went with my brother, who's not like a big movie head. Um, And when the movie was over, we were walking out and like he was saying, hey, this uh, 
P.T. Anderson guy, does he have any other movies? And like, those are the type of things that I love to hear. Cause like shit like this, movies like this, just like what you guys were saying, like getting to go see it with people that you know. And like, I think that this movie's for absolutely everyone. It's like an all encompassing film where like, when you see this, like you're curious and like, you want to see like what else he has. And I don't know. It was the happiest I've been watching a film in a very long time. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. It's um, it's just one of those movies. It's just pure euphoria the whole time. The the fact that you said I smiled the entire time. I think it was the first text that you sent us in our group chat after you got out of it. I was like, yes, Carter. Yes, I think we're in the same boat there. It was so the we'll funniest movie I've seen in a really long time. I mean, they don't make right. They don't make comedies anymore, and this was like a straight up comedy. Like, there's so many jokes in this movie. Um, and like when Bradley Cooper, like Bradley Cooper's doing like straight up physical comedy the entire time. And, like, the jokes are so well-written. Paul Thomas Anderson's displayed that multiple times in his movies. His movies are usually, like, fucking funny, especially when he leans into it. But, like, I don't know. This, in terms of, like, a comedy movie, this is probably, like, the best comedy to come out in theaters in, like, the last few years because they just stopped making them or just, like, made them. Or if they make them, they're dog shit. They put it straight to Netflix, and it looks like it was shot on a MacBook. <laughs> right. It's right up there with Holmes And some and of it's not even, yeah. like, besides Hubie Halloween. <laughs> it's not punchline funny either. It's like here's like a subtle joke, like Sean Penn um, as William Holden, essentially just like explaining to Alana Heim, like while she's asking him about like how big of a star she can be, he's like Korea man, like you have no fucking idea what it was like, and he's making those subtle little jokes that like you know like very few people like are aren't gonna get, and it's like. He's just constantly just feeding you stuff that you just want more of. So let's talk about Alana and Cooper before I go into the plot details because you mentioned it, Jack. They're two bright, shining stars. They are rookie performers for movies. This is Cooper's first movie. This is Alana's first movie. Obviously, Alana is in a band that's very successful, and Cooper had perhaps the most talented father of all time. <laughs> but, Carter, just tell me like how, how you felt about seeing – I mean, we, we saw uh, Michael Gandolfini portray Tony Soprano earlier this year, and I thought he was great in that. But seeing Cooper did did you feel Philip Seymour through him or was he kind of like his own individual person that was just like fucking glowing on the screen he was his own individual person uh like you guys said the chemistry was so natural um and it was cool to see like it did kind of mirror Tarantino a bit where like you had all of these guest spots of just like superstar actors but Paul uh PTA found a way to like use these two characters who had never acted before and like use these supporting roles that were all equally incredible kind of as stepping stones where like throughout the entire film, it's like they're just going up this staircase and like they run into these people. And, um, and I saw a uh, review somewhere where it said that like the movie is like a bunch of like short films that are kind of spliced together, but like you have two centralized characters that are um like almost faceless in a way that like just feed off of these people and like yeah it, um they were both incredible alana heim uh like very quickly staked her claim for like one of the most talented people in, <laughs> in the entire world heim's music is awesome and i mean she went straight into this like she was so natural and i think you were saying like just the way that she's able to flip back and forth between like funny but then like super serious and then like super lovey and then like super um reflective like her ability to change emotions so fast uh is so rare for someone that's never been in a movie before and then 
Cooper fed off of that energy. Like he was his own shining star, uh, just like playing this ruthless hustler who's a, you know, 15 year old, 16 year old. Um, I mean, they both killed it. I thought it was awesome. Well, I, I think it's funny when you think about Cooper as Gary Valentine in this movie. Like, um, he's a lot like Paul's other protagonists, where he is very. I don't know if he's as egotistical as Dirk Diggler becomes or as as Reynolds Woodcock or Daniel Plainview is, but most of those guys, their ego eats them alive at some point in the movie. And that never wins with like happens with him. He's just keeps on fucking winning in this movie. Like he's just on the up and up and up every single time. And he's obviously based on a real person um, that Paul is friends with. But like the fact that, I mean, Cooper is just completely radiant the entire movie. I think it pairs well with like Alana's ability to go from disgruntled to cheery to just pissed off or annoyed. Or even when she's like acting with her family, like you can imagine, like it doesn't feel like acting ever. And I think that's because they're rookies, right? It's like these people haven't been on screen before. They're not classically trained actors. It feels like it's almost documentarian in that style. Um, all right. And you, you talked about <laughs> as I like to think of these um, these role-playing A-listers as stepping stones. Jack, who is your favorite stepping stone character? Was it Bradley Cooper as John Peters? Was it Safdie as um, Mayor Elector or campaign guy Joel Walks? Was it Tom Waits as Rex Blue, Sean Penn as William Holden? Who, who kind of, or Skylar Gazzando as Lance? Who stood out to you the most? John C. Riley. <laughs> John C. Yeah, Riley as yeah. Frankenstein for that very snappy bit. Yeah. Um, you know, mine was definitely Bradley Cooper. I thought Bradley Cooper was hilarious in this. Um, it was nice to kind of see him go back to like, because he started in like just like shitty romantic comedies, kind of like right. McConaughey and all like are like legitimate actors. And like he's got it in him and he's brought it out in multiple roles. But I mean, he was in the highest grossing comedy of all time for a while in The Hangover. Um, so it was like, it's nice to see him just kind of like lean into that while also kind of combining that with his like jet, like Oscar winning, or has he won an Oscar or at least nominated ability nominated, to yep. just go fucking ape shit for 45 seconds at a tirade. Um, and I just think that his delivery, um, and just like timing mixed with the chemistry of Alana Heim and, uh, Cooper Hoffman was incredible. Because, I mean, he's Bradley Cooper is a fucking A-list celebrity. He has he exudes chemistry. That's why he's gotten to the point where he's at in his career and is a leading man because he's fucking – he's handsome and he's funny. And he's just like – everyone in that movie just bursts chemistry. PTA just gets everyone to fucking ooze it. If he was an NBA coach, oh, my God, his teams would run so smoothly. Popovich. Mm-hmm. That's a All good way to Popovich. put him. He is Popovich. Paul Thomas Popovich. PTP. <laughs> he gets the, he gets the most out of people. All right, so um, like you guys said, there's there's not much of a plot in this movie, so we can't really do it the same way that we did Spider-Man, but we'll go through it briefly. Um, we meet Cooper and Alana at a photo shoot. Or not a photo shoot, but just high school photos. And Alana's kind of stuck in the mud. She's a 25-year-old photographer's assistant who is – essentially just going around high school to high school and taking pictures of really ugly boys with pimples on their faces. And then she meets him for dinner after he is incessant about inviting her to a dinner. And we learn that Cooper's a fucking hot shot at this dinner. The bartender knows his name. He orders two Cokes and he just, you know, he has a little vibe to him. And that, that's, that's that. And He's then Alana ends up becoming, 
Huge vibe. <laughs> Huge vibe to him. And then Alana doesn't become his girlfriend. She becomes his chaperone. And they go to New York and they go to this variety show appearance kind of thing with Lucy Doolittle. And this is where Alana meets Lance. And I want to talk about Lance for a second here because Skylar Gasando as Lance is when he showed up on the screen, this is where I had the widest smile on my face because I love him in Righteous Gemstones. I've loved him in Book Smart. And he's just one of those kids that just. You just want to hold him and cuddle him. And there's just something about him that's just so bright and charming. And then they start dating. Now, did you guys have any doubt about Cooper and Alana's relationship during this moment when you see Cooper in the car eating the burger with his mom, the girl from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and you see Alana and Lance together? Were you pissed off? How How did you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to take a step back and realize that, like, this kid has a learner's permit. He can't buy jewel pods yet like uh but you know yeah like the the movie aims to make you feel bad for him in that moment which is that there's a really cool duality there like it's almost kind of a sick duality but uh yeah um lance was so good that like you know it's hard to hate the guy and then we got like one of the funniest moments when they ended up breaking things off when he tells her family that He's an atheist and just like the longest silence. And I was reading somewhere that that's based on a true story that happened to Alana Haim, like an actual, like, yeah. So no fucking um, way. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, it's, yeah, I mean, he's sitting with her actual family and I imagine that's how her actual father would react because I don't know. I mean. I'm Catholic and we're not as devout Catholic as they are devout Jewish in that movie. But if I brought home a woman on their first date and my mom found out they were an atheist, I think she would respond similarly. Um, But this is when they start the waterbed company and the waterbed company is kind of uh, the central focus of this movie in a lot of ways. I guess you could say it's the breeding ground for this real relationship and friendship. And we get the cue of soggy bottom and, Alana kind of criticizes the name Soggy Bottom. I thought that was a fun little poke at itself. Um, Jack, would you ever own a waterbed? Um, fuck no, dude. Um, I hate air mattresses. I feel like an air mattress mm. would feel kind of similar. I feel like it'd just be like feel like sleeping on an air mattress that's eighty four percent of the way inflated. And then, like, what if mm. it pops? What a mess that's going to be. <laughs> yes, and you have nowhere to sleep. If it's on carpet, ruin. If you have electronics, mm-hmm. you're done. I would do it if I could, like, put, like, maybe, like, a wood base around it um, with some kind of, I don't know, water protector at the bottom and put fish inside of it. Okay. Water beds so you'd have gross. fish in your water bed is what you're saying? Yeah. But, like, it's, like, I feel like it's pretty – are those even a thing anymore? Like, I feel like it's no. so unsanitary. Water beds haven't been a thing Probably for, like, really- 20 years. My dad got a water bed for his 10th birthday, and it was in a race car frame. So that's like the only frame of mm. reference that I have. But yeah, they are disgusting. I don't think they've sold them for 20, 25 years. They're probably in like quote unquote specialty motels where there's like hearts all over the room and all that kind of shit. And they just never maintain them at all. I don't know if you put chlorine in them or what. Um, but yeah, this is where we're, we're at an expo. And then Gary Valentine gets arrested on suspicion of murder. Uh, how do you guys feel about I guess this was the most PTA-ish moment in a way Like the Safdie's brother influence kind of moment Where he, he just gets fucking tackled by cops out of nowhere And then we have that race And Alana is just following him out of there 
were you guys on edge? Were you, how, how were we feeling about our boy Gary just getting fucking shackled by the ops? I was so confused. Like it happened and then it was just gone. Like there was no frame of reference, no context. Mm-hmm. And he goes into the station and there's the guy without his shirt on who's like, that's not the fucking guy. And then it's just done. Like, <laughs> like just this blip. Yes. And like, that's how a lot of the movie is. It's like, it's without context, but this was like the peak moment where, yeah, but a lot of, um, sprinting scenes in the movie. And like, this is probably the best one. So much sprinting, so <laughs> much fucking sprinting. And, and you're right. There isn't a lot of context. I guess the context is just, um, the character study of these two. That's pretty, pretty much all it is. It's um, what can we use to put them together? And I think he always picked, he always made the right decision. Like when you actually see like the desperation on her face and just how fucking frustrated she is with the cops, how mad she's like, I'm going to call a lawyer. There's no way she can afford a good lawyer unless her dad has a sneaky one on the side. But just like, I mean, I thought at first that it was because uh, Gary was telling his buddies to get pot to sell to people so that way they could be influenced by the water bud. And then the kid comes up to him and he's like, how about LSD? I can get that. And he's like, no, 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 stick to grass, stick to grass. So I thought that's <laughs> what it had to do with. But then it just turned out it was just the cops making a fucking stupid mistake. All right, so then we go into Gary, you know, showing Alana to a talent agent. And the talent agent is the same woman who was uh, the drunken woman in Phantom Thread who sleeps in Reynolds' dress. And then Alma and Reynolds come in and they steal that dress. One of my favorite movies of all time. One of my favorite sequences in a movie of all time. This might have been the hardest I've laughed in a movie in a very, very long so time. The good. close-up of her fucking face where she's You're like, you got a little dog in you yeah you got some dog in you (laughs) oh my god it was perfect it was perfect uh but yeah if if you guys are in you know in her shoes are you guys hiring alana is alana kane is as good of an actor as alana heim that's a tough question (laughs) (laughs) because she's like i can do everything i can ride a horseback and he tells her to say yes to everything obviously naturally but like it is Maybe that's the wrong question to ask. I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is Alana Kane as talented as Gary Valentine when it comes to this kind of stuff? Because Gary is such a fucking successful 15-year-old. He's obviously a pretty tremendous actor. Even when he's doing like a stupid commercial spot, he's giving it his all. He's impressing Maya Rudolph. And Alana is like, I don't know. She's not like traditionally gorgeous. I guess Jewish noses were in at that time. But like, Jack, let's say that you're casting somebody for network and Faye Dunaway drops the role. Are you giving Alana Kane a look? Sure. Why not? If she's got that kind of confidence, I mean, you need that as an actor to feel like you can go out there and give it your all, give the best performance. Why not? And would you, would you have for campaigned a second audition? For, would you have campaigned for Benny Safdie too? In my movie? No, would you, if you were in Licorice Pizza, would you have been one of the people, or would you have been the guy wearing the number 12 jersey that's kind of creeping on him? I'd definitely be hanging outside. Okay. That yeah, was yeah, you're so the guy that's going to come driver. in. That was like the most taxi driver shit ever. <laughs> it was like, it's just it like the same so thing. It's so obvious. It's like the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except I think, I don't know what his motive was. Was his motive to like, poke in at the guy and discover like maybe he's a homophobe or something like that and he's kind of peeling back the layers to Benny Safdie being gay homophobia was um, far more prominent than uh, like homosexuals in office even in San Fernando Valley uh, like 
I'm sure it was probably frowned upon in the early seventies. Um, and yeah, like he was trying to catch him, get some dirt, you know, something for the tabloids. Okay. So we have another sprinting scene here. Uh, this is when we run into, uh, the restaurant where William Holden, Sean Penn's character is just really just flirting about Korea with Alana and Gary is sitting with a couple of young girls that I'm, can we just say this really quick? Are you, were you guys surprised that Gary was such a ladies man? Like Cooper's not like the most attractive guy in the world. And apparently there's guys like Lance running around, but Gary's always got options. Like even that Sue girl that he like is flirting with and making out with at the waterbed place. Like Jack, did that, did that shock you at all that he was like reeling in these chicks or were you just like, Hey man, he's got the, he's got the grooves and the charm and the, the paper. The kid knows how to dance, you know, he's fucking, <laughs> he brings it every time, everything he does. He's just, he's so charming. He could have an eye missing and I would still like, if I was a, <laughs> if he was flirting with me, I'd be like, okay, sure. Like he could probably sell me a water bed. Imagine if that kid sold pot. Imagine how good he'd Holy be at shit, it. Dude. Holy shit. He should be doing my job right now. He would be the best commercial salesman in all of the metro area. Um, but okay, so like best. I was saying, uh, we have the golf course sequence where Tom Waits is, I can't remember, I think it was like Rex or something like that, Rex Blue maybe. Um, he is directing Sean Penn on a motorcycle and Alana falls off the motorcycle. And Gary is just, he, he puts all of their tension to the side and he just sprints to her and makes sure he's okay. Did this hit you guys? Did you guys tear up at all during this movie? Were there any tears shed? Was there any crying? Nothing? No. I don't think I cried. No tears. Because no. I you also was cry, kind of... I, I, no, I do. I just wasn't... I don't know. I wasn't always necessarily rooting for them to be together. Just because, like, they're... Really? Okay. Well, there'd be, there'd be all these moments where I'd be like, oh, that's nice. And I'd be like, well, why would she want to date a 15-year-old boy? It seems like the worst possible decision you could make. As love a twenty-five-year-old woman, oh, he it's wants love, it, dude. Eventually, he's just gonna want to jerk off all day. He's gonna get tired of it. He's just fucking. He's probably gotta be insufferable to hang out with a date as a twenty-five-year-old woman. I mean, hang out with a fifteen-year-old boy. I mean, she addresses that though. She talks about it with her sister while they're smoking that J outside, and she's like, "Do you think it's weird I hang out with Gary and his fifteen-year-old friends all the time?" And then we later see him. Treating a pump of gas like an imaginary dick, and he's jerking it off. Like, but he's still also, you know, he's mature enough to run not just a waterbed company, Jack, but also a pinball company. And he's also an actor. So, in my mind, Gary was always a catch, and I was always rooting for them. What if he decides to go to 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 college? And then she, they're like, "Oh, where's Gary?" She's like, "Fuck oh, college." He, she's like, "Oh, he just start. He just started at uh, UW Madison, uh, and she's like turning 30. <laughs> He's not building up a resume for a fucking college application. Fifteen-year-old boys into- change their minds very often. He's trying to go to USC to become a producer. That's what he's doing. And in real life, that guy ended up becoming like Tom Hanks's like best friend producer. So, um, look, if but they yeah, want, I mean, I. If- I just don't think I don't, I don't see the relation prospects being a very long term thing. Okay, so you don't think that they last? No, mm. of course not. She's twenty five really? and he's fifteen. He's got to do his math homework. Carter, you want to weigh in here? I feel like this is a one sided argument right now. Uh, I feel like we're stepping on real thin ice here, talking about this. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Um, like it's like. 
Up for interpretation. Yeah. I mean, they're like 10 years apart, like a decade. I mean, it'd be more, it'd be more acceptable if like she was 35 and he was 25, but like 15's really young. But I mean, he carries himself like a grown ass man. So like, yeah. the, so like the thought of it being wrong doesn't really cross your mind until you like read some articles on the internet and shit where like people are getting mad about it for no reason. And like, yeah, I don't, right. um, I don't know. You know, I like, I, I would hope that they can stay friends until he turns 18 and then we'll take it from there. But you know, uh, I'm excited for the future. <laughs> The last line of the movie is, I love you, Gary. And he doesn't say it back, which is fine. But let's just, let, let me just pause it this way. Can we just be boys for a second? Can we just, can we just rewind six or seven years? Go back to your sophomore year of high school. There's a smoke show 25-year-old just even batting an eye at you. You're not going to take that opportunity and fucking I know she's mentally ill because I know what I look like <laughs> as a sophomore in high school. I know it's just a ploy to molest me yeah, at that no, point. I feel like it should <laughs> that's, be reciprocated. That's all it is. You okay, know? you had to bring the M word into it. You just had to bring molestation into it. In this, in my knowing what I looked like as a fifteen-year-old boy, if there was a twenty-five-year-old woman approaching me. Okay, I've looked the exact same since I was in like fifth grade, so it wouldn't be that weird for me. I just have a little bit more facial hair now, and I'm a little bit fatter. I so like a back large then, baby. I would have been like. Yeah, you did. You, you were a goofy-looking dude. You didn't have that hair or that stash. Um, all right. I still look like a large Valentine. Baby. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you shitting me? Okay. All right. I had the so buzz cut. This is what, <laughs> 16 years of a Gary buzz and cut. Alana, <laughs> Gary and Alana deliver a waterbed to John Peters' house, and John Peters lets us know exactly who John Peters is. Carter, who is John Peters? Um, John Peters was one of the, uh, so he ended up becoming a superstar Hollywood producer. Uh, but he's very similar to, um, he had a, almost an identical trade to Jay Sebring in once upon a time where like his job, how he got his fame was he was a hairdresser and a designer for superstars. That's how he met Barbara Streisand. Um, and I hope to God that this is how he actually was in real life. Like just the most Hollywood piece of shit on earth. Like, and just the body language that Bradley Cooper emulates. Like there's that one scene, sorry, like I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but there's that one scene, there's that one scene where like the truck breaks down and like the body language made me just laugh my ass off. Like him walking up the hill towards them, just that co like that cocky ass walk. Like I hope that this was exactly what he was like in real life. Like it's just absurd. Well, they um they used or Paul used his pickup line. So it's the moment where Alana is just sitting on the curb and she's kind of downtrodden for a moment. But we really don't know what's going on inside of her head and. After he had essentially already, you know, physically assaulted her in the car where he is, um, you know, he kisses her, all that kind of stuff. And he is walking with a tank of gas in his hand back towards his house after he finally gets it when the sun is coming up and he sees two girls in tennis skirts walk by. He turns around and he goes back and runs towards them. And he's like, oh, I got to talk to these girls. I love tail so fucking much. It's going to be the end of me one day. And he uses the actual pickup line that John Peters used in real life. PTA asked him or he didn't even ask him. He said unprovoked to PTA. He's like, do you want to know what my pickup line was? And it was 
hey, do you like peanut butter sandwiches? And then <laughs> really? he would just get a conversation out of that. That was his pickup line. So if you rewatch the movie and he's walking back towards those girls in the tennis skirts, you'll hear him say, hey, do you girls like peanut butter sandwiches? And then they start talking about peanut butter sandwiches. They're like, yeah, they're all right. He's like, well, crunchy or nutty. And they're like, what kind of jelly? Like grape or strawberry? And he goes from there. So I thought it was perfect. This is probably my favorite, like you said, snapshot of the movie. My favorite story of the movie was just the whole Bradley Cooper shenanigans. Um, the, the fucking gay housekeeper on the phone just twirling and dancing all nervous. Like he was perfect. <laughs> Everything about that was just completely perfect. Uh, Jack, what did you think about the the short but brief uh, John Peters, you know, sequence? I was waiting for it like the whole time for the movie for like all these different cameos right. to happen. Right. Um, because they don't happen until a while in like Bradley Cooper and especially Benny Safdie, like aren't into the movie until like pretty much near the end. Um, and I, I liked that. I liked Bradley Cooper's part. Um, it was definitely one of my favorites. He was my favorite cameo or smaller role. Um, but like, as Carter was saying, just like his body language, just, it was so funny. Just everything he did and said, it just moved perfectly. Um, you could kind of tell by the trailers because they have that one shot that they save for the credits in the actual movie where he's like at the gas station breaking down the fucking <sighs> ah! like he I, you kind of knew he was going to be crazy. Um, and they have like the bar like the Barbara Streisand part in the trailer, too. Um, he was just great, man. Bradley Cooper's great. He's got he always, he has so much chemistry and it just leaks off of him. Everyone around him. It's just the fucking it was a great part. Yeah. How long was he in it? Eleven minutes, you said. Maybe I don't even know the exact like details, but like actual screen time, I think he might have had like six and a half minutes. That's wild. Like, that's just a guess. Yeah, um, but just I, yeah. I, I, I don't want to go without talking about um, probably the most controversial part of the movie, but I don't care because it was the funniest thing I've seen on a screen in a long time, and it all paid off for one punchline. John Michael Higgins's character, who has an infatuation with Asian woman. And <laughs> just please don't be shy, guys, because I don't want to go about this alone. But how fucking funny was this? Like, come on. I know all the fucking Twitter social what are you justice doing heroes. To us? Are, they're getting on their high horses <laughs> about it, dude. This was this is the beginning of Saving Private funniest. Ryan. We're in the boats right now. The, We're in the first wave. <laughs> this was the funniest fucking thing I've seen in so long. People in the theater were laughing. And that's yeah, all my I need. I don't need... I don't need the approval of some fucking no name on Twitter. All I need is that people were laughing and that punchline where he's like, <laughs> he's like, well, what did she just say? Can you translate that for him? He's like, oh, I don't know. I don't speak Japanese. And the entire time we're under the presumption mm -hmm. that he speaks Japanese. So I just thought that that needed addressing. You guys don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. But yeah, dude, it's dude. It's the early 1970s, man. People were yeah. assholes. Exactly, like, dude. People dude, were like so racist. Yeah, it's like the lines don't cry were in front of the Mexicans line and fucking right. Like, like this Precisely. is just how it was. Like, you know, 15 year olds could date 25 year olds, too, I guess. I don't know. Like it, it like it was a much different time. People were a lot looser. Um, Morality was blurrier. Yeah. A lot of gray lines, Correct. man. All right. So I want to save the last five minutes of this podcast just to go through PTA's discography or filmography rather. And let's just let's just kind of try to 
collectively locate where Licorice Pizza belongs in the ranking. So if you haven't had the opportunity, go to BurbsENT.com and check out every Paul Thomas Anderson movie ranked. We ranked all eight of his feature films leading up to Licorice Pizza with contributions from us three and Evan Northrup. And right now, as we have it, we have Hard Eight at number eight, Inherent Vice at number seven, Magnolia at number six, Punch Drunk Love at number five, The Master at number four, Phantom Thread at number three, There Will Be Blood at number two, and Boogie Nights at number one. Now, I know we all have kind of different rankings personally. This is just how I cataloged them. But where does Licorice Pizza fall into this ranking for each of you? I can go. I imagine it's behind There Will Be Blood for you. It's But go ahead. It's really hard for me to, like, go on that ranking because mine's a lot different. Like, I've got Magnolia at two, personally. Um, So I think that it's three behind there will be blood magnolia and then this one um you know i don't know what's holding it back from those ones there there isn't that memorable scene that's like gonna stick in my head forever i think probably the closest that it got in this movie was that like triple threat of sean penn tom waits and alana heim where like they're just going off of each other and like he's talking to the restaurant. That's probably like the closest that I got to like a scene that sticks in my head. But like the oil rig bursting and there will be blood. Like that's my favorite scene ever. The scene where um, you know, Tom Cruise is bawling his eyes out. That's one that'll stick. And then like the master, which is at four for me, that and Boogie Nights is like four, has like the first screening scene like this movie i think like the one thing that it didn't have which this isn't a problem i mean it's still five stars like it's pretty much a perfect film like it didn't have that marquee scene which like would have put it over the top of probably magnolia it'll never top there will be blood but um yeah like two three range for me perfect i respect the magnolia i fucking love magnolia that's the thing about his yeah, movies magnolia is I respect rocks and then that as long as you don't have hard at number one you're intros. good fucking shit yeah yeah i drink your milkshake jack what about you um so i currently have it ranked like number three for me because my rankings are also different um there will be blood i think is a perfect film um but i don't have it as like my favorite pta movie um right so i currently have licorice piece of three behind boogie nights and punch drunk love moved up for me after a rewatch i fucking Love that movie. It's so good. I, it was so much better the like on the rewatch. It's just incredible. I love Sandler in a dramatic role. Um, I love the music in that movie. Um, I didn't realize how how vital the music in Punch Drunk was, because like it felt and you could see where like the Safties were influenced so heavily by Punch Drunk Love, um, especially with Uncut Gems, where the music plays a central character in just kind of really revving up and helping you feel Barry's emotions. Punch Drunk Love is a perfect movie. 90 minutes, the shortest movie. I fucking adore it. Yep. Um, for, for me personally, I have Boogie Nights at number one still. Same. I'm going to reserve the number two spot for Liquor's Pizza, and it might even move up to my number one spot after I see it again in theaters. Wow. I'm going to see this movie in theaters, I promise you, four wow. or five times. Phantom well, Threat moves down shot to num- for you? Phantom, Phantom, Th- Phantom Thread is going to be moving down to number four for me because wow. I'm the only one had Phantom Thread. Right now. I, I rewatched I rewatched There Will Be Blood last week 
Phantom Thread is my comfort movie. That's the movie I put on when I want to go to sleep or something like that. Yeah, well, and it's, it's also a movie that. that I can just watch on Christmas. <laughs> Fuck off. It's But it's also perfect to wake up to. That's why I love Phantom Thread so much. But I just rewatched There Will Be Blood, I think, for the fifth time last week ahead of this movie. I just wanted to give it another shot. And I think it's the best performance of all time by DDL. Oh, and I think God. it's just a perfect encapsulation of where America is, where it was, and where it always will be. So that's why I always have it there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Liquor's Pizza could elevate to number one at some point. But this has been The Fro and the Flow presented by Burbs Entertainment. Thank you to Carter Ferriman. Thank you to Jack Barton. I love both of you sincerely. Thank you love for talking you. about Liquor's Pizza with me i fucking love this movie we will be talking about more movies going into 2022 happy new year everybody i hope you had a happy holiday and we will talk to you next time All right.